if you look at india we are one of the 17 mega biodiverse regions in the world and to have so much of diversity within our country's borders is something that we should be proud of hi everyone welcome to now boarding a new travel podcast by me payal nair this show aims at creating awareness about ecotourism sustainable tourism responsible travel and a lot more we will cover stories and journeys of people who are ecotourism specialists and those who are leaders in their field We will also be talking to people who have had unique travel experiences, remarkable conceptual places to stay, unexplored cultures and ancient histories of various towns and cities around the world. Join me in this journey of knowing more about travel. Get inspired to see the world and discover your inner self. Hi everyone. Today I am in conversation with Aishwarya Sridhar. Aishwarya is an award-winning writer, poet, activist, a wildlife photographer and also a storyteller. Um and her she says that she's a self-taught documentary filmmaker and editor, but um I can see that she's been doing a lot of work. So I have to say that, you know, being self-taught um it's very very commendable um currently her film tiger queen of taru is airing worldwide on the national geographic uh, channel wild so thank you so much for joining me today ashwarya thank you so much payal for that kind introduction it's a pleasure to be on the show so um let's just kick start uh you know the conversation with a little bit about yourself your your background and then of course uh, leading up to how you know you decided to make um wildlife conservation your priority so how did all of that come about i think uh, the reason why i picked up the camera to tell stories of the wild is because of my childhood so i grew up in a place which was very close to nature which is still very close to nature which is panvel in on the outskirts of mumbai and uh, normally when you hear the word mumbai city you think of bad traffic jams and a very populated place but uh, panvel was not so uh, a few decades ago and uh, i had all kinds of wildlife in my own backyard itself so my childhood was spent chasing everything that creeps crawls and walks and flies and um, i had fireflies in my balcony i had wild boars uh, in my garden and all kinds of birds and it was a very uh, a childhood that was very close to mother nature and that's how the interest in wildlife began and then my father is a member of the bombay natural history society which is bnhs so he used to take me on a couple of his wildlife trips and that slowly got me interested in the outdoors and i kind of enjoyed being in in the forest or in the in the oceans and that's that's how my uh twist with nature began okay interesting so um you did you you know did you kind of do any kind of uh, studying um towards understanding i mean obviously you understood the the wildlife uh, because it was so close to you where you were growing up but uh, did you have to do any 
deeper kind of uh, studying in order to understand uh, the different aspects of the wildlife? Uh, I think all the studies that I have done are not uh, traditional education per se when it comes to wildlife. Uh, they're mostly from uh, books or research papers or uh, online uh, research that I do when before I take up a particular project. So it's either detailed understanding of uh, a certain kind of animal behavior or a detailed understanding of a certain species or of a particular issue. And uh, that's how usually I work uh, when it comes to the research aspect of most of my uh, stories or films of, uh, or photo assignments. But uh, in the initial years, it was just about understanding uh, and knowing animal behavior per se in general. And that's mostly come from books. Okay. Um, so is there any particular kind of animal that um, fascinated you the most? Um, or is it, you know, project based if you get a project? Because I can see that you've, you've hosted um, and directed and produced shows for BBC Earth, for Discovery Channel, for National Geographic. So, and you also worked um, with closely with WWF India, and then you have a lot of brand collaborations as well. So there's a lot of um, uh, projects that you are involved in. So do you essentially, you know, based on the project that you get is when you start doing the research or is it more that, okay, this is, this particular species is probably going extinct and I need to do some more research and figure out conservation around it. So what, what is your methodology essentially? I think it's a mixture of both. Uh, and sometimes a project comes into your kitty and then you uh, go about finding uh, finding out a lot of details about the species and the location and the conservation issue around it. Sometimes you come across a particular topic and you feel that this is a story that needs to be told. And uh, then you go and dig deep into it and you go and pitch it to the right uh, producer and the right broadcaster who will uh, then take it to a different level. So for me, it's been a mixture of both. To start out with, it was initially the stories that I uh, find the most, um, the most impactful or uh, something that I feel really needs to be told right now. And um, then it's also been a mixture of, you know, receiving a project and then going back and uh, researching about it. Okay. Um, tell me something more about wildlife conservation in India. Is there enough that is being done? And what are some of the because India is so vast and it's got a, a whole array of different kinds of uh, species. So is there enough being done to protect uh, the, the, maybe, you know, the species that are getting extinct? Is there, do you find that there is a lot of poaching that happens in India? What, what kind of, um, policies are in place for wildlife conservation and protection in India? 
So when it comes to India, um, one I would say is that we are a very blessed country because uh, we have a vast expanse of wilderness and biodiversity still in the country. Uh, when you compare it with others, uh, other countries like maybe US or uh, any other place. But um, when it comes to conservation policies, we can do a lot better. Uh, we, we need to appreciate uh, the wildlife and the biodiversity that our country has, which sadly the key decision makers are not doing so. You have a pristine uh, forest land and our uh, leaders decide to build a national highway or a metro line right through that forest. I mean, why? Why can't you divert it? Why can't you look for alternatives? Uh, be it even in terms of investing in green energy, India can really lead the way because there's so much of talent and technology and innovation yeah. Yeah. that is, that is uh, existing in the country. Why can't we just pick that up and put it to good use and build uh, greener technology, build into invest in that sector because when it comes to conservation, it's not just about man versus uh, like in kind of uh, development versus conservation. It's not that tussle. Uh, what I personally feel is that conservation is all about building a livable future, a sustainable world, wherein it's not just our generation that keeps on uh, depleting the resources. We leave enough for the uh, for our future generations as well on the planet. And if we continue at the current pace at which we are going in terms of consumption, then uh, I really doubt if the future generations will have anything to live by on this planet. Because uh, in, in terms of India, if you uh, only look at our country, um, there is obviously, uh, there are, there's a very good uh, national policy in terms of the Wildlife Protection Act. Uh, 1972, which details about against poaching, against uh, illegal wildlife trade and all of that. But enforcement of these laws still need to be um, more stringent uh, in on the ground level. And also we need to build in local community conservation. The, the locals already know how to live a sustainable life. They already have been living that for centuries, but our policies don't take into account the local communities uh, most, most of the times. They end up alienating them. So when you have a, a policy and you have um, laws that take everyone together on the same page and work together to create a, a better future, that's when conservation and pro uh, will prosper. So when you say they um, alienate the local communities, give one example of how that happens. Uh, so sometimes our laws are built in such a way that uh, the local communities are stopped from entering the forest for their own produce or collecting anything. And that kind of puts in, that decreases their economic, uh, their economic sense. Then they're not able to, uh, have a livelihood and even in terms of i'll take a local example over here that's uh, that's the panjay wetlands at uran and i've been working to protect these wetlands it's one of the largest wetland in navi mumbai that not only has a host of uh, migratory birds every year but also provides livelihood to over 2500 fishermen now um the government has kind of 
given off their entire piece of land to be developed as a luxury residential complex. And we are fighting to get it protected as a community conservation reserve because this is not only for uh, the local economy, but also for the ecology. Now, if the government says yes, and if they say yes to a sanctuary, then that will prohibit the local villagers from fishing in that area. And fishing is their local occupation. They subsist their entire life on fishing. So you can't have a conservation of that particular wetland if the local community is not brought into it and told that, look, this is also an opportunity for you all to gain tourism. So you can also fish in that area. And at the same time, some of you all, maybe your children or your uh, teenage boys or your young adults can become uh, tourist guides. And there are many uh, young uh, adults over there in, that, in those villages that border the wetland who have excellent knowledge of birds. And they are already acting uh, as uh, tourist guides, as bird guides to photographers coming from all around India and the world. So this can actually be turned uh, into a mini uh, tourism destination in the country. And together you can have something that's a win-win on both sides. Yeah, so you, yeah, correct. There's conservation, uh, the community's livelihood is, exactly. is expanded as well because, you know, they can act as tour guides. Plus, um, you are, so, so you know, and, and you're bringing in tourism. So I think, and the, the whole migration of, of the birds and, you know, who, whatever else is, passing through those wetlands, at least uh, there is, they have a way of being able to do it without being obstructed by some luxury condominiums coming up. So yeah, no, um, yeah, well, I, I wish you luck with that and I hope you're able to, to succeed. So that, I guess, is a part of your activism, right? Uh, that. Okay. Yeah. That's more a part of my impact work because it's not just about telling pretty stories of uh, animals and birds in their uh, great wilderness. It's also about ensuring that these spaces are not uh, turning into uh, a concrete jungle. And, and, and that's when you kind of, you tell, you tell the story and then you go beyond that story and look at how that story can create impact on the ground at the grassroots level. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that, that makes sense. I mean, of course it is a lot. Yeah, I think it goes hand in hand. If you are, um, if it's so important for you to tell the story, then just telling the story and not taking it beyond, it just defeats the purpose. So I completely understand, yeah. I understand, yeah. This episode of Now Boarding a Travel and Tourism podcast is supported by Podcast Melting Pot Collection, which is an inspiring podcast series covering journeys of culturally diverse and passionate individuals. And it also envisions to be a leading platform for motivational storytelling that inspires listeners from all walks of life. So out of all the numerous projects that you have done, I mean, I know that you also in 2020 became the first Indian woman to win at the 56th Wildlife Photographer of the Year in the UK. So I think that is pretty 
phenomenal and I I think it's a great great achievement as well as recognition for the kind of work um, that you are doing so wildlife photography how how do you what are some of the processes that you follow I'm, I'm talking very specifically about photography and not about filmmaking or, okay. or 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 that kind that aspect of storytelling it's more about the photography how do you what is your process so um wildlife photography to me is very personal so i usually look at a subject uh, that interests me uh, go online read a lot about it uh, maybe consult a couple of uh, scientists or researchers working uh, on that subject uh, studying that subject and then decide the best location to shoot it the best time that i would want to shoot it maybe if it's a particular behavior like the fireflies then uh, definitely i wanted to capture the bioluminescence of the fireflies and that is possible only within a two week window that comes just uh, after the first rains uh, during the monsoon period so that would be um, in, in early june early okay late okay. may early june Okay. It's about two to three weeks, a very short window that you get uh, to photograph them at their peak of mating activity. And um, the firefly bioluminescence is still, uh, it needs a lot of research in India. We still don't know the kind of species that exist within our own country. So to me, this is, uh, the fireflies have always been a very mystical, magical creature. Uh, and I've grown up watching them in my balcony. So when the opportunity presented itself, I said, I have to go for this. So it all, it all depends on the subject. If I'm shooting, say, tigers, then um, I know for one uh, fact that tigers are, uh, in summers, their sightings are the best because they usually are uh, easily spotted at water holes. So then uh, if it's a tiger trip, then it's definitely planned in the summer months. Or unless I want specifically to capture a particular tigress who maybe has had a litter during the winter season. Then if it's that kind of behavior, then I'll shift my entire schedule to just concentrating on that. And uh, again, there are days when I just go into the jungle for uh, just for the sake of uh, for, for photographing, uh, something that's unique per to the jungle like say karnala and i just end up going there and just walking and clicking anything be it macro or bird life or animals but there are then a uh, certain days where there's a particular subject that i have in mind which i want to concentrate on and all my uh, planning will be centered around that subject so it's or oh, extensive uh, reading and research on the laptop and then picking up all your gear, sorting it out, and then going into the field, waiting for days or maybe hours, depends on how lady luck favors you. And uh, then you come back with the kind of shot. Sometimes you're happy. Sometimes you hate a shot that you've made. And then you sit and process them on the laptop. And then you decide which is suitable, which is not. And that's, that's the process that I follow. And most of your wildlife photography centers around India, or do you also travel to other parts of the world? Until now, it's been centered around India. But uh, in the future, obviously, I would want to expand my horizons and do global projects as well. 
Okay. And um, so you, because you do have uh, collaborations with uh, brands as well, right? Uh, like, just to name a few, I saw that it was Canon, Mercedes, and Decathlon. So what is it that when you have a collaboration with brands per se, what is it that you focus on for them? So with Canon, I am their Canon EOS influencer. So I'm part of their brand ambassador program as such. And to me, that association is highly valued because uh, Canon has been a very important part of my journey as a photographer and as a filmmaker. They've supported me with equipment, with the kind, right kind of lenses, camera bodies. And so this is the kind of association that I really value because uh, they, they lend so much of their support and guidance in uh, putting my in turning my projects into reality. And when it comes to Mercedes, Mercedes approached me for a brand campaign on Young Achievers. And uh, it was something I really connected with their motto. And who doesn't want to drive in a Mercedes car, right? <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was a very, uh, uh, a very uh, great collaboration with Mercedes. With Decathlon, again, I was their brand ambassador. And Decathlon uh, stuff, uh, their outdoor clothing, their outdoor shoes, uh, their outdoor, uh, a lot of their products are centered around trekking and wildlife. And that really helped me. Uh, and I also buy a lot from Decathlon. So uh, having a collaboration with them also works out when you're on the field. And these are all the ways in which you can also uh, cut down your budget. Yeah, true. That, yeah. That's also a kind of, it's a, it's a good part of collaborating with the right brands with whom you share the same um, philosophy and yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and in terms of uh, filmmaking, so I'm curious to know when you mentioned that you're a self-taught filmmaker, what, what does that mean and how did that actually come about? So uh, it basically means that I had no mentor when I started out. Uh, so I was completely new. Uh, I, when I wanted to be, a, I decided to be a wildlife filmmaker. I was probably around 15, 16. I was doing photography as a hobby till then. But uh, after my 10th standard, I said, no, I really want to pursue this as a career. So I completed 12th and then I took up mass media. But uh, there again, Mumbai University does not have a curriculum for filmmaking as such a specialization it only gives you a broad overview and then it forces you into either doing a specializing in advertising or journalism and journalism is right as written journalism so uh, I wasn't keen on that so I went for advertising uh, that from there is where I probably got a little bit of marketing skills <laughs> good uh, to have that in hand anyway but uh, be it in terms of camera angles, be it script writing, be it, uh, uh, you know, um, building your entire story, production, post-production, uh, on-camera presenting. I had no experience in any of this. I didn't have knowledge in any of this when it comes to natural history filmmaking. And um, there wasn't any person whom I could turn to to ask for guidance in India. Uh, so I learned everything online and looking at Sir David Attenborough, Stevie Irwin and uh, Chris Packham on, on television. I learned from them uh, completely 
uh, just watching them and understanding and taking down notes as I watched some of my favorite programs on Nat Geo or Discovery or BBC for that matter. And that's how I then learned the ropes. I did make a couple of mistakes in my journey, but uh, each mistake taught me to uh, be better at what I am today. Yeah, fascinating, fascinating. So some of your very uh, projects that are closest to you and in terms of wildlife conservation and that you are still pursuing because you, as you mentioned earlier, you would like there to be an impact and that's what you're working towards. So if you could just highlight a couple of projects, I, I mean, I understand that the one uh, in the Uran, Uran yes. wetland, uh, that seems to be clearly one of your projects because you yes. are very closely involved with it. But any other projects that you feel with your involvement, uh, with your experience, with you trying to create awareness through the films that you make, any, any couple of projects outside of the, the one that we've been talking about that really is close to your heart? Uh, so I'm working on a couple of them. Uh, first would be on illegal wildlife trafficking. So I'm doing a documentary as well as a photo story. So I'm doing a documentary as well as a photo story on um, the illegal pet markets of India, uh, the exotic, uh, the trade of exotic pets originating from India and coming into India uh, on investigating them. So that's one project that's very close to my heart because I learned about them um, in a kind of a different way. I was, um, I came, I went into a pet shop to buy cat food for my uh, cat. And that's when I saw a couple of these exotic creatures kept in cages. And it got me thinking that these are wild animals. What are they even doing in a pet shop uh, miles away from their country in India? And I began then digging online and then I found out this whole nexus that comes when it comes to illegal wildlife trafficking and I felt that this is something that really needs to be addressed needs to be highlighted in a big way and um, my next documentary focuses on that uh, in addition I also am planning a project uh, with a couple of friends on um, elephants and their conservation in India and how elephants are revered and prosecuted at the same time uh, so that's something that's another project as well, which I'm really looking forward to working on. Interesting. Yeah. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of challenges as you go along, but, <laughs> but I'm hoping that there is some success with either of these projects. And, you know, because I think it's, it's so important um, for, and as you rightly mentioned that India has so much, natural, uh, not just flora, fauna, but also wildlife. And a lot of it is going unnoticed, extinct because of lack of uh, protection. So, you know, I, yeah, no, I think it's. We're one of the, I think, um, if you look at India, we are one of the 17 mega biodiverse regions in the world. 
and to have so much of diversity within our country's borders is something that we should be proud of yeah yeah no totally and it's people like you who the fact that you are actively supporting and trying to make a difference i'm hoping that there are more and more young people like you who are out there trying to trying to create this awareness through whatever platform you know there i mean whatever is your expertise and if you're able to use that platform to create this impact and make a difference i think um that is pretty phenomenal so thank you so much maria thank you so much for being a part of now boarding and you know because that's really that's um the focus of this uh, this show um it's about ecotourism and also how wildlife conservation and sustainability communities being as you mentioned yourself um about you know the fishermen's community so trying to use my platform to see how like conversations like these um like the one that i'm having now with you is what's going to really help make a difference and I, if i can use my platform to do that why not i mean i i believe that it's an opportunity that um needs to be taken and i've been talking to some really really interesting people like yourself and good luck with whatever you have uh planned and don't give up just keep pursuing it and i'm sure there's going to be there's always a silver lining so absolutely thank you so much it was uh it was really great to be a part of this show thank you thank you ashwarya you take Lovely care to to likewise bye bye bye, bye. In this series of conversations with nature and wildlife photographers and conservationists, Now Boarding hopes to be a part of an important ongoing dialogue on the challenges and threats being faced by wild animals and the long-term impact on our ecosystem and biodiversity. Join us by sharing your thoughts and also your support with a one-time donation will help us to continue bringing you more and more such meaningful conversations. You can find all the information on how to contribute in the show description.